You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll begin reading at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Mm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Mm. We ask that you would release your Holy Spirit, that we would not just have truth, but that we would have revelation. Bring to us the things that we yet to understand. Bring to us the things that are in your heart for us to receive today. We open ourselves, we humble ourselves, we come before you, and we acknowledge you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we say, shepherd of our souls, come and care for our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason for this prayer is because he's heard something. It's, it's kind of nice when you hear something. You hear something about someone and you say, wow, that fills me with thanksgiving. That fills me w- with thanksgiving. And so I'm going to go to prayer. And as I go to prayer, I'm going to go to prayer with thanksgiving. So that the very first thing that all of heaven notices on the earth as we go to prayer is that there's thanksgiving in our heart. Oh, praise the Lord for those, for those individuals, those people, those people groups that, that cause us to rejoice. And here, here Paul is thinking of the, of, of the church at Ephesus, and he's thinking about these people who, one, they have faith in Jesus. This doesn't mean that they just signed a commitment card and said, yes, I want to be a Christian. I believe Jesus died for my sin. No, they had faith in Jesus. This is so, so soon after the resurrection that the way in which the early church was birthed, as we've looked in Acts, it's, it's just a, a new creation in the earth. It's something that the, the new birth in Christ is unlike anything that anyone's ever known. The old is gone, the new has come. It is so radical, it's so new. It's almost like we became a new species. Think about that. I mean, no one had ever seen anybody 
like that. No one had ever seen love in the heart of another that they would sacrifice themselves for another. Now that's pretty amazing love. So he heard about their faith in Jesus and he heard about their love for all the saints. Mm. And when Paul heard that, prayer came up. And every time he remembered the church at Ephesus, there was this thanksgiving for this people group that had faith in Jesus and that was full of love for all the saints. All the saints. Not just the saints in their local church, but all the saints throughout the earth. Now that's, that's pretty good. I believe, how many times do you go to prayer and when you go to prayer, it's because you're just overflowing with thanksgiving. I mean, you're just, you're just busting at the seams with gratitude. You're busting at the seams with, with thanksgiving uh, because you're, you're thinking about someone or something or a people group. I believe that when we do that, it catches heaven's attention. Because how is it most often human beings go to prayer? When we need something. Help! I need help. Money! I need money. Uh, Help me make this free throw. (laughs) I don't want to strike out. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Please help her fall in love with me. Let her say yes when I give her the engagement ring. Yeah. Usually, usually it's circumstantial and it's, and it's about a certain circumstance that we go and we pray and we're really petitioning most, most of the time. But here, here's, here's an event that I think if, if you really want to connect more with heaven quicker in your prayer life, come to heaven with a heart that is filled with thanksgiving. Think about all the things that just make you thankful. I'm thinking now, last Sunday, I, I, I got to preach at the Castleton Vineyard, Northeast Indianapolis, and, and the pastor and his wife were in Italy. He got the Eli Lilly grant for a pastor's sabbatical. Uh, I think it was $45,000. And, and so they, they did that, and they're off in Europe, and they're in England and Italy and doing all sorts of fun stuff. As he's just getting refreshed and renewed... But as I've been thinking about Randy and Jane Gooder, my heart just wells up with thanksgiving. Man, they've, they've done a good job up at our original. This was the original vineyard that first came to Indianapolis. So this is kind of the mother vineyard that all of us were planted out of or we adopted into. And so it was, it was just like, wow. And when I think of, of that church and I think of the founder, Bill Jackson, my heart just gets overflowing with thanksgiving. Bill was a good friend of mine. We prayed every Tuesday with Mike and several other. We had seven pastors that would gather on Tuesdays and we'd pray. And it was a wonderful time. We got so close. And Bill passed uh, last year, I think, a year, year and a half ago. And uh, he, he was my age. He was just a youngster. He, he was, you know, it was, it was, it was just... But when I think of that church and I think of those pastors, Sean Tianahara, all the pastors of that church, my heart just wells up with thanksgiving. And I thought, you know, this would be a good way to come and to begin prayer time with the Lord. 
is to, to be intentional about remembering the saints huh, and giving thanksgiving to the Father for all of those that love. Mm. So that's where he starts. He starts with that. He starts right at the beginning. The reason that he's, that he's praying this prayer is that he's heard about their faith and their love for all the saints. And so he's remembering them in prayer with great thanksgiving. And here's what he's praying. He, he, he's, he says that he's praying or that he's asking twice. In the NIV, the structure is, is really easy to see. He's praying and he's asking first that the, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now, in the NIV, we read glorious Father. Yeah. But it's the Father of glory. One of the things that I love about this, our Father in heaven is so incredibly glorious. And he's so incredibly good and loving that he wants his glory to be known in the earth and he wants to share it. When Jesus came upon the earth, you know, and he's praying, he says, now, Father, glorify me with the glory I had from the beginning. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's, he, we've seen the glory of the Lord manifest every time Jesus spoke and taught. They said, boy, he doesn't teach like the scribes and Pharisees. They, they saw something that was different. Every time he touched a leper or he brought blind eyes, deaf ears, lame limbs to life, we saw a display of his glory. We understand glory in, in the Old Testament, kabod and shekinah, the two Hebrew words for glory. And, and we have them, you know, when the glory of the Lord fills the temple, the Shekinah comes down and it's so thick that no one can really stand in the presence. The glory, the glory of, of the presence of the Lord. Glory can mean splendor. It can mean radiance. But as you know, you're well, well averse to my teaching. It means at the foundation, presence. Presence. Hmm. Wherever two or more are gathered together in my name, there is glory. There is glory. So get with your spouse and say, let's have some glory. We're in Jesus' name and we're coming in agreement. Lord, come and manifest yourself. Show us you. Bring a revelation to you. He loves imparting himself to us. His intention was not that just Jesus would know the glory. His intention that all of us as sons and daughters of his would have the experience of glory in our lives. That we would have the indwelling presence of God in us. That's why Jesus is looking for a bride. The Father wants many sons and daughters. And the Holy Spirit is looking for a temple to indwell. Glory. We get it on all three, all three aspects. So that's good. Keep asking. So this is what he's keep asking. He keeps asking that the Father of glory would give them the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation. Wow. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. That sounds good. Philippians. Oh, excuse me. Let's go to James. We're not talking about the wisdom of this world. We're talking about the wisdom that's from above. And James talks about that. And he, he talks about it this way. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Right on. It's pure, without guile. Huh. So he's praying that they would have the spirit of wisdom that would come upon them. One of the things I like about the shack is when, uh, oh, I forgot his name. Mac, thank you, thank you. Mac goes into the cave where, where he has the encounter with wisdom and he realizes that he's been judging God based on his, his limited wisdom, his limited understanding. And so when he goes through there, it's like, whoa, and he gets a real education. Wisdom is amazing. Wisdom, wisdom it, 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 it really doesn't grow on planet Earth. You can get education, you can become smart, you can know the Bible better than everyone else, but you still may not have wisdom. Wisdom is a gift that comes from above. It gets imported from heaven to earth. And the prayer that Paul is praying is that they would have the spirit of wisdom. Wow. And revelation. Ooh. Anybody get up this morning and said, I think I'll have a revelation this morning. Anybody just say, I, I, I'm going to have a great God revelation today. No, it doesn't work that way, does it? I find that there is something of the Holy Spirit that is burning inside that says, boy, I'm looking for a revelation. I'm longing for a revelation. I love it, Lord, when you reveal things to me. You know, there's certain things that the Lord will hide from you because he wants you to pursue him. And out of the pursuit of him, you'll learn something about him that you wouldn't have known had you not been looking for it. I love that. And when he reveals it to us, it's ours. It's ours. Now, what you have to be careful of, brothers and sisters, is when he reveals it to you when you're sleeping. Okay, you got to be careful about that. We call that dreams. So when you have dreams and they're God dreams, they're not pizza dreams, uh, they're, they're God dreams, they're not coming up from your subconscious where you're, lying, but you know that they're a they're God dream. When you have a God dream, get up and write it down. Take a few moments, a few bullet points and put it down. Oh, I'm still grieving over the dreams that were so incredible that I thought there's no way I can forget that. Yeah. It has changed my life. My understanding is so... <sighs> Wake up. Oh, I had a great dream last night. What was... What? Ah. Oh, I can't... Oh. I've had too many of those. Don't do that. Do not trust your memory. I know you're younger than me. But do not trust your memory. Get up and write it down. Write down your dreams. Because when, when you get a God dream, that is a revelation to you. And you need to then press in and ask him how to interpret it, how to apply it to your life. 
Revelation. Oh, Revelation belongs in the, the domain of deity. God is the one who does revelation. He reveals it to us. Oh, anybody want a revelation? Yeah, Lord Jesus, we, we want revelation. Continue to open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts so that we can know what? This is the first one. Praying that you get a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. Okay? This will mess up your self-righteousness, won't it? It, it messed. Man, I like that, you know, I, I, I used to think back when I was younger, you know, there's probably nothing more dangerous in all the earth than a sophomore in college because they think they know everything because they've got one year of college under their belt and so they just, they just know everything. And it's like, but, you know, after you graduate and you get your Master's of Divinity and you got your degrees and stuff, you think you really, you know a lot. You probably know the Bible better than a lot of folks, but guess what? There's no way you're going to exhaust him. To know him better is for all eternity. We will be knowing him forever and ever, better and better. And it's the very spirit of wisdom and revelation that has been given to us that will accomplish that. Okay? Now, Paul uses the optative mood here. That's that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm here to proclaim to you it's the Father's heart to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But it, it involves you being able to receive. If you don't put yourself in a position that you humble yourself, do you notice that that's, that's a big thing in the kingdom? You know, whoever humbles himself, God will exalt. It, it, it's something about humbling. And when we come and we say, Lord, I want to know you better. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And as he does that, huh, we, we receive something that is so significant, so significant. Never underestimate the value of a revelation from God. Absolutely priceless. Make sure you, are you with me? We sure are. If your neighbor's about to fall asleep, whisper something in their ear that will bless them. Okay? Just give them a sweet whisper in their ear. Mm. The second thing that he's praying is that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. He's talking about our hearts really becoming alive and sensitive to his presence. When our, eye, or when, when our hearts become alive, it, it, it's like our eyes are open. So he uses that metaphor for our body and we know what it's like if we have blind eyes. But when our eyes open and we see, then all the light comes in. It's that way with a closed heart. The enemy knows how valuable the heart is in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
with our relationship with our bridegroom, Jesus, with our relationship with the Holy Spirit, the one who indwells us. He knows that. So the number one target of the evil one in every human being's life is their heart. And he doesn't wait until they're adults. He goes after their heart as young as he possibly can. That's why it's so important for us as parents. Fletcher, are you listening? Tell mom and dad. As parents that we cover those infants, we cover the toddler, we cover the young one, we cover and bathe them with the the shield of faith, the shield of victory. We bathe them with the blood of the lamb, the Lord Jesus himself. We care for them and make sure that they're protected because the enemy is after them as soon as they're as soon as they're born. We see that all through scripture. We see it in Revelation that, you know, as, as the birth of the child is there, that the dragon is right there ready to devour it. We see it with the birth of Jesus, so much so that Herod has every child two years old and younger killed, all the males, all the male children. And, and so we, we understand that he doesn't play fair. He doesn't wait until you can cognitively, rationally, reason things out. Oh, that's not me. That's the devil. No, he hits us as early and assaults the heart as early as possible. That's why this prayer is so incredibly magnanimous. As your eyes of your heart are open, then you start to see what's going on in your heart. You see the wounds, you see the problems, you see the fears, you see the places of unbelief. Even though our mind will intellectually hold good, solid, orthodox doctrine, our heart may not believe it because we've been disappointed. We've had experiences where it appeared that God didn't show up. We have those moments of of, uh, violation that just twists the heart and makes it difficult for our hearts to be open and to have the eyes of our heart enlightened. It's my prayer today that the Holy Spirit would do a work among us that would just cause all of our hearts to, the eyes to just open, for them to be open and be able to receive and to see all that the Lord has for us. So why do we want the eyes of our heart open? So we can see what, what the Lord has done for us. We've got to see what he's done. The hope to which you've been called. Do you realize <laughs> hope is a, is a living thing? Faith, hope, and love. The more I look at hope, the, the, the more excited I get about how amazing God is. Matter of fact, the hope and the relationship to faith and the relationship to love, it almost has to work backwards. We experience his love And because we experience his love, we now have faith to believe in his goodness. And out of that faith to believe in his goodness, we have the hope that we're going to be transformed into his image. And so that hope becomes a living hope. Peter put it that way in 1 Peter 1.3 about a living hope. That the living hope and and the connection with the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. The resurrection connection. And so in 1 Peter Do we have it up there? Yeah. Praise be to the Father, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his great mercy has given us 
new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. So he wants us to know the hope to which we were called. We as, as sons and daughters of the Most High, as brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus, we are those who believed through the disciples. And so we understand we become disciples. Hmm. And when Jesus called the original 12, the very thing that he had in his heart when he called them, he has for you when he called you to himself. You need to know the hope to which you were called. First of all, he said he called to himself those that he wanted. He wants you. The enemy has spent a whole lifetime trying to convince you that you're not wanted. Rejection, rejection, rejection. He'll use it over and over and over again. But the Father wants you. Jesus wants you. The Holy Spirit wants you. And so he calls you to himself because he wants you to be with him. And then it goes on that he might send us out to have authority over sickness, illness, disease, over demonic spirits, able to cast them out, raise the dead, heal the sick, like that. Sign me up. Sign me up. You know, I, I don't know where you're at kind of in your walk. And I, I, sometimes if I talk clear over here and you're still over here, the enemy will use it and make it like, really? The bald-headed guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just, he's out to lunch today. But I want to talk about this over here because it's a reality. And there's, there's something that the Holy Spirit is releasing among us that's bringing a craving and a desiring of knowing what this hope is that he's called us to. It's more than just being a good moral person and, and going about and doing a good job at work and all this. No, it's about being kingdom bearers, being presence, glory bearers, that we take his presence everywhere we go and we see him displayed in the earth in and through us. Oh, I'm getting too excited here. Come bring it, dial it back. To know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You know, when, when you start looking at the New Testament, and, you, and even the Old Testament, when you start looking at inheritance, you know, sometimes it's we're the inheritance of God, and sometimes God's our inheritance. And when you, when you look here in the context that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, he already touches on this earlier. And um, he says in Ephesians chapter 1, just a few verses above this, he says, Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow. The riches of our glorious inheritance. You know, even earlier, he, he's talking about those blessings, those spiritual blessings, those blessings that are in the realms of heaven that we have access to now. Let's not be deceived by, by the enemy who comes in and makes us think that all this is wonderful when we get to heaven. No, these things have been given to us while we're on earth. 
that we need to come and take access of the inheritance that's been given to us, the true riches. Uh, they're, more than, they're more than material wealth. They're spiritual wealth. The spiritual wealth that we have in our relationship, in our intimacy with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we develop that, we understand what really, really is important. What really has value? The true riches, the riches of our inheritance. Hmm. Let's appropriate those. And the last thing he says, to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Here, you just kind of trip over all the adjectives and adverbs to try to describe the power of God that he has for us, that we are to know this power. We're not to just know it intellectually because we read it in the Bible and we know that this is what it took to raise Jesus from the dead. And a lot of times when I see Jesus being raised from the dead, I think that's pretty amazing. Then we know that as he was raised from the dead, he revealed himself to his disciples and he was 40 days on the earth teaching them about the kingdom. And then he ascends, they go back into prayer. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and power is released in a supernatural way. The gifts, the anointings of the Holy Spirit releases the very, very power of God. So, you know, when Brian Beeson was here a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, you know, how do we see Jesus? We see him as the resurrected Jesus. We see him as the Jesus of Nazareth. We see him as the Jesus of the gospels, who's healing, who's teaching, who's confronting religious uh, hypocrisy, all that kind of stuff. No, now when I, when I start praying and I start seeing the Lord, I see him differently. I see him as the ascended one. Look at what, what Paul says about the ascension of Jesus, the power here. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above, okay, far above. That's not just a hair above, that's a whole lot. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only today, but in the age to come. Now, if you get a revelation of the power that we're supposed to know, why is it I can't open my locker? You know, why, why is it that I'm having trouble with some of the routine stuff of life? When Paul is letting us know that the, the eyes of our heart, when they get enlightened and we, and, and, and mind you, this is, this is something that takes over a lifetime. As, as our eyes become enlightened, we know this power. We know the hope of our calling. We know that we're called. I belong to Jesus. I'm a son of the Most High. You're a son or daughter of the Most High. <clears throat> we know that we have riches. We have riches and the, 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 the greatest riches is in the intimacy of knowing him. The relationship that we have with God. What an incredible rich. Rich, rich, rich. And then the power. 
all the power. I love it. The power of the Most High. So I want to end on the power. If we're a good Baptist, we'd sing there's power in the blood. Or Methodist. Or good vineyardites. There's power. There's wonder-working power. There's, there's incredible power for us who believe. You know, I, I've shared this once, but God wants us to know that power because he wants us to know him. The caution always is with power because power can corrupt and absolute power can corrupt absolutely unless it's God who at the foundation of his power is his love and his desire to be relational in his connection with us as his creatures. And so we, we understand that all of the power is found in the intimacy of relationship with him. That's what keeps us. That's why it's, it's kind of dangerous when, when you have a, a new believer and they're starting to come into some of the things of the Holy Spirit and they encounter this incredible power. If they don't keep up their intimacy with the Lord, the Father, and the Spirit, all of a sudden they start to think that they're the one that's doing it and we get skewed and we usually have to have some correction. But if we'll keep intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with the Father, intimacy with the Holy Spirit at the forefront, there is no limit to the power that he will flow in and through you. You'll be able to balance your checkbook, you know. You'll start praying for people and really believing that God's power is going to flow through you and touch them. Sign us up, Lord Jesus. So we find this, it's, it's power, it's power, power, power. When, when we go back and we look at the early church in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's the impact in round one. I don't know what round we're in today, but I say, let it happen again, Lord. Shake the place. Because of our faith in you and our love for all the saints, Lord, you, you have desired to give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better. Intimacy is the foundation. That's the first thing that he prays. And out of that intimacy then, Lord, <laughs> let them know. Open the eyes of their heart. Why the heart? Doesn't matter what the head thinks. We want the head to serve the heart. Heart is where we believe let us believe and then we'll know the hope to which we're called, the riches of the glorious inheritance of all the saints. We'll know the power. We'll know the power that's incomparable. There is no greater power anywhere. He's 
exalted to the highest place, and he has chosen to love us and to share with us. This is a partnership, a father-son, father-daughter partnership with Jesus to be his body in the earth. If you go on to the end of verse 23, and it says he delights in filling everything in every way. So this morning, I sense that the appeal from Father's heart is that he wants to fill you wherever you need to be filled. You know, if, if your love tank is at a zero, he wants to fill you with his love. If, if, if your understanding of, of revelation is at a three, he wants to fill you up. If, if your understanding of power You haven't even started that one yet. He wants to start making some deposits in that area of your life. We're not expecting anyone to go out today and raise the dead. However, you have full permission to do that. But we are expecting to begin to walk faithfully with what we've received. Faithfully steward that. And from there, ask for more. Ask for more. I, yeah, I've gone on long enough. Jesus, mm, thank you for life. Thank you for life in the kingdom. Thank you for including us and inviting us to, to co-labor with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're not ashamed to call us brothers and daughters. Mm. Brothers and sisters, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you want many sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're such a, 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 an incredible representative from heaven to earth of the fullness of the Lord Jesus that you've been sent to glorify him, bring to remembrance everything that he said and did, to glorify him in and through us. And you're here and you want us to know the power, the enabling of your presence to bring us to heights of intimacy, of knowing. And so Lord, we, we realize that to say yes to you, there's some things that we might have to say no to. I pray, Father, that you would keep everyone from a legalistic spirit, but that there would be something of, of love and freedom to choose to say no to this because we want to say yes to you, whatever area that is. Now, I'm just assuming that everybody wants more today. If you don't, you could maybe put some aluminum foil over your head. Maybe that would stop it. I'm not sure if that would even work, but let's just open our hearts, invite the Holy Spirit to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, to open the eyes of our heart. Sometimes I like to physically use a, a posture of receptivity. So if you, if you like putting your hands in front of you like you're receiving something, feel free. If, if you don't, don't worry about that. The key is the posture of your heart. And so, Father, as hungry as you've made me, I want more.
Lord, you've taught us that in this world, when we're hungry, we eat and our hunger is appeased. But in your, in your kingdom, when we hunger and eat, we get hungrier. And so, Lord, we've eaten all that you've given to us and we want more. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill us with wisdom and revelation. We invite you to open our hearts so that we can know hope, so that we can know true riches, so that we can know real power. We present ourselves as living sacrifices and you who delights in feeling everything in every way, we say, fill us until our cup overflows. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.